am so glad to see you, those who are here in person and those who are online. It's good to see you, and I'm, I'm grateful that you made it out today. Um, happy Father's Day. Uh, my mom is here. Miss Francis, and I didn't expect that. I turned around, I'm like, ooh, my, my mom is here. And my mom was both my mom and my dad. So thank you. Ooh, get in a moment, get a moment. Okay, Let, let's move on because it, that's, yeah, that's a whole nother sermon. So this is the deal. Back in 2014, a friend of mine wanted me to apply to this dean's position at a school that was in a, a part of the country that was warmer, let's just say. I was really excited about that. I was honored. I felt like, yeah, this is, this is great. Warmer part of the country, no more winters in Minnesota. I felt like I nailed the first interview. I was called to fly down with Herb, and it felt like a vacation where, you know, they put you up, they take care of all your meals. We were really well taken care of. I glided through a day and a half of interviews. Maybe except one interview, because there's always that one interview that didn't go as well, but the rest went wonderful. And I left feeling really good. I could see myself in this position. I'm walking around campus and I'm like, yeah, I got this. I had the support of my husband, my mom. Everybody was excited. The kids were excited. My son was excited because he had asked heaven to the sixth grade dance in fifth grade. Did y'all get that? He, he was thinking ahead and he's like, mom, you gotta take me to this dance. I'm like, we'll, we'll fly back so you can go to this dance with heaven. That's all he wanted. He was excited. My brother who was looking to move would have been in a neighboring state and it would be the first time we would have lived close to each other in years. Everything seemed to be aligning until it wasn't and I got a call from the friend who wanted me to apply for this position and told me I didn't get it. I was one of three candidates and I remember literally that gut feeling and kind of falling on my steps because I thought I had it. I really thought this was my position and like, seriously, God, what are you doing? Warm weather. I looked at houses. Herb looked at positions. We had this. And will I ever be able to trust you again with a big decision that I thought you, God, you were calling me to? And I wrestled for a long time with God and wondering if I could trust him and wondering also if I could trust my own thoughts. So as we continue the study of Daniel, there are a few young men that you may be familiar with who had to trust God in such a profound way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here and worship you through song and through your word. 
Father God, help me to get out of the way and let your spirit speak and land where it's supposed to land, God. We want you to move in this place today, not because of anything we have done, but because your presence is evident and it's here. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing this series on Daniel. And Pastor Ashish talked about chapter one and the overview, gave an overview of Daniel. And these boys at the time were just 13 and 14 years old and they were taken into exile from Judah. God gave them the ability to sustain themselves through eating different diet that was in line with their Jewish culture. And in that chapter, chapter one, we were able to see our hope in God had inspired faithfulness with these young men. They were going to faithfully represent God the way they preferred instead of uh, serving Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter two, Pastor Michael, these boys are now 17, 18 years old. And he talked about the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar not only the interpretation of the dream, but the actual dream itself, if you remember that. In this chapter, chapter two, we see that hope in God inspired confidence. Facing an impossible task, Daniel's confidence is that there is a God in heaven. If you remember that line from last week, there is a God in heaven. I have the privilege of talking through chapter three, and I'm letting you know there's a lot of scripture, so hold on. And these young men are now in their 30s. And we will see that hope in God inspired trust, facing an outcome that they were not sure what was going to happen. So let's say the furnace was turned up just like we feel today in this school. It's a little warm in here. But chapter three probably is one of the most popular chapters or one of the most uh, popular stories in the Old Testament. It's the kind of story you probably heard as a kid and VeggieTales popularized the story of Rack, Shack, and Benny. Yeah, come on, let's give it up for, you know, VeggieTales and Rack, Shack, and Benny. It was a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. So if you were a child or a teen or maybe a young adult and growing up in the mid-90s in a Christian home, you were probably familiar with VeggieTales. It was this animated series where vegetables told these Bible stories that were very simple, but easy for kids to understand. And the simple tagline was, God made you special and he loves you very much. You guys remember that, right? And King Nebi, right, Nebuchadnezzar, sings one of the most popular VeggieTales songs of all time. The bunny, the bunny. I love the bunny. Okay. That, uh, okay, we're good. All right, all right. So you got it in your head. It'll be in your head all day. All right. So the bunny was the idol that King Nebi had made, and everyone was to bow down to the bunny. 
And what we learn from this story is that these vegetables were not going to bow down to the bunny. Bob the tomato was not bowing down to the bunny or Larry the cucumber. This lesson in VeggieTales episode was really a lesson in peer pressure. How do we stand against the pressure when everyone else around us is doing it? And Laura the carrot says in her sweet little voice, everybody's doing it, just bow down. But they weren't going to bow down. And it was a great message for kids, but also a great message for us. So as I said before, this time we're in chapter three. And these young men are in their mid-30s. They're not teenagers anymore, and they have already shown maturity in how they helped Daniel by praying about the dream and the interpretation, and how they were going to rely on God to stay strong as they only ate what was culturally appropriate for them. So let's pick up this story in chapter 3, and I'm literally going to be running through these scriptures because there's a lot of them. So, chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. So there's lots of people over the top. It is, there's a lot of people here. Then they heard loudly proclaim, nations and people of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Lots of people, full orchestra. This is a big deal. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of God. Image of gold. And that whatever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Now let's pause, because that's a lot of scripture. They have over-the-top officials, like everybody who's anybody is there. They have a full band, orchestra, this humongous image on the plains of Dura. So 
everyone can see. The writer also uses a lot of repetition in the scripture so you understand how important this was to King Nebuchadnezzar. But if you remember in chapter two, Daniel told him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And the dream was the image you saw, the head was made of gold, which represented Babylon. The chest and arms were made of silver, which represented Persia. The belly and the thighs of bronze represented Greece. The legs and the feet partly made of iron and clay represented Rome. And that these images were the power that would dominate the Jewish people. But then the cut stone represented God's kingdom that would crush, literally crush all the other kingdoms. And after the dream and interpretation, Nebuchadnezzar did acknowledge that Daniel's God was the God of all gods and that only God could have told Daniel that dream. But somewhere along the line, his posture changes. It's almost about 20 years. And he despises the idea that any kingdom would topple his and take him out. But he fails to remember that the rule he had over the exiles was given by God, hello, but he forgot. And he wants to place himself at the center and he is a king that wasn't having it. So what he decided to do, I'm going to make this entire image of gold. And so you can see there's a lot of arrogance and there's a lot of pride and he thinks that he is all that seriously in a bag of chips and that he cannot be taken down. And you can even see the pride in the names that these young men were given. These young men had Hebrew names and they were changed. So the Babylonian names, Shadrach was scribe and royal. Meshach was guest of the king. Abednego was servants, but their Hebrew name their Hebrew names, those are the ones that were given to them, was Hananiah, God is gracious, and Mishael, who is like God, that Asher's talked about earlier, and Azariah, God has helped. So you see the difference in these names that these young men had. These names showed their identity in God and not just their roles or their jobs. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted their allegiance to be on the Babylonian God, not on the God of Israel or the God of their ancestors. So let's pick up the scripture again, verse 13. Furious, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, it is true. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image, I made very good. So Nebuchadnezzar, he's trying to give him a chance. Like, all right, let's try this again, because I'm expecting you to fall down. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the burning furnace. Then what, God, then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? 
Again, you see the arrogance and the pride in that. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. This is the best part. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. <sighs> Let's pause. Last week, Pastor Michael, the loop, remember? There is a God in heaven. Well, I got my own loop this week. God is able to deliver, but if he doesn't, we want you to know we will not serve your gods. Nobody's going to remember that, right? Because it's too long. So I'm shortening it up for you. God is able. Even if he doesn't, we will still trust God. So turn to your neighbor and say, God is able. Even if he doesn't, we will still trust God. And thank you. How is it even possible that they can say they're not going to bow down in the midst of going into this fiery furnace? It's because they know who they are. God is gracious, and they have seen God sustain them in chapter 1. God helps them with Daniel with a dream and the interpretation. And they have seen God answer prayer in chapter 2. Who is like God? Nothing is greater than God. And they are about to see God deliver them in chapter 3. Most importantly, they trust God no matter what. Because their identity is in their original names given. Who is like God? Who is gracious? And a God who helps. Let's read. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the burning furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king commanded command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four. Jesus, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, Governors and royal advisors crowded around them. 
They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Jesus. Woo. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to, to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of the nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. Amen. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. No more scripture. But what does this passage reveal about God? God is gracious. God is able to rescue. God is someone that we can cling to because his presence is with us. Rack, Shack, and Benny didn't tie God's hands in verse 18. There was no doubt in their minds that God was able. Amen? But even if not, doesn't mean there's a lack of trust but they're trusting the future to God, whatever it may be. I need to say that again, because I need an amen. Rack, Shack, and Benny don't tie God's hands in verse 18. There was no doubt in their minds that God was able, okay? But even if not, even if not, doesn't mean a lack of trust. They are trusting the future to God, whatever it may be. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. But what are some things that we tend to put our trust in instead of God? What idols are we bound to, to avoid the furnace? Security? It's an idol of comfort. Money, an idol of things. People idol of relationships, our own strength, our own self-reliance, that could be an idol. And Phil Vischer, one of the founders of VeggieTales, the voice of Bob, he found this out. He came to Bethel a few years ago and he shared his story in chapel. And he discovered that his idol, his value was on the success of Big Idea Company that he had co-founded and he lost sight of who God was. His eyes got bigger than his budget and he made poor choices in hiring. He was even warned by someone that he did not know. Watch your pride. It all came crashing down around him as everyone watched. He was literally in the furnace, but God was with him. God did restore him in other ways by giving him back a part of his role in the company, owned by others. You have created this company, it is taken from you, and now you, you're just an employee. And it was a really hard lesson for Bob the Tomato, Phil Vischer, to learn. But he had to learn God is able, but 
even if not, I will still trust God. So what does this mean for us today, Mill City? That God is able, but if not, we will trust you. Because we are all in a furnace. We are all in the furnace of life. It is hot. It is burning. It is uncomfortable. And then it gets turned up. And you have a pandemic. And you have a challenging election season. And you have a killing of George Floyd. And literally, our city is on fire. You have this election season that's also divisive. You have January 6th, enough said. You have another strain of COVID and another strain of COVID and like seriously, another strain of COVID. It has been turned up. You have a Russian-Ukrainian war. You have mass shootings that happen on a daily basis. And now, good Lord, it cost me $65 to fill up my tank. Like seriously, we're all in a furnace and it's being turned up. So this furnace that we are in, no matter what is going on around us, we are still called to trust God and to be faithful. Because we're being watched. Rackshack and Benny were being watched. All the prefixes and satraps and governors, all the peoples. They were watching what was going on while they were in the fire, in the furnace. So we trust God in the furnace even when we don't get the position that we thought we deserved or the house that we expected or the relationship that we knew was ours but didn't come to fruition. We trust God in the furnace when we lose a loved one to an illness or suicide. We trust God in the furnace of life when our children are going the long way around to find themselves. We trust God in the furnace when our relationships are fragile and we literally are not sure how they're going to be reconciled. We still trust God because God is in the furnace with us. So when I look back on this disappointment of not getting a job, I realized I got ahead. I got ahead of God a little bit. He never told me, oh yeah, that's yours. I never got that. It felt like it was mine, but he didn't say, Donna, that's yours. But it taught me a lesson in being in step with God and to have the posture, I know, God, you're able. But if not, I will trust you. Worship team, if you can come back up. We know of the many injustices, Mill City, that's occurring in our city, in our world. And we know that everyone is not free from oppression of systems, but we have to trust God in the process of waiting for almost, the almost, but not quite yet. So when I think of today, a day that we celebrate Juneteenth, which is short for June 19th. That marks the day that the federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to let all the enslaved people know that they were free. It was two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. And in June 2021, it officially became a federal holiday. 
So we celebrate that freedom, but we pursue freedom knowing that there's a lot of, but even if we believe that God is able, we believe that God is greater than injustice and racism, and we live in the, but even if, but we hold on to hope that God sees, God hears, and God is with us as we keep moving on. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that no matter what, we can trust you. Even in the furnace, in the furnace of life, Lord, you are there with us. Your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Help us to know that in our spirits today, no matter what we are going through, that you were with us. You are a God who was gracious. You are a God who helps us. You are a God who is with us. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.